Think about it. Whoever one might be. Whichever gender one might belong to. However rich, poor, successful, unsuccessful, angry, sad, happy, kind, sweet, repulsive, white, black, brown, or whatever one might be, there are two truths that apply to everyone. Those two truths are living and dying. The boast of heraldry, the pomp of power, and all the beauty, all that wealth ever gave, awaits a life the inevitable hour, the path of glory lead but to the grave. That was a poem by Thomas Gray. If you can perceive me speaking, it means you are living, but I'm sorry to say that it also means that you will die one day. Are we clear so far? Now, a major fact that most people either forget or ignore is that no one has control over these two major events of life called living and dying. Once you're born, you started to live and one day you will die. I find it really strange that people so unnecessarily complicate matters in life to such an extent that what they do, in fact, eats away at the fixed time they have on the planet. Haven't you seen religious experts picking up a couple of shlokas from the Srimad Bhagavad Gita, for example, and going on and on explaining them for a number of days, or those that speak bizarre and absolutely ridiculous stuff claiming to be spirituality or the Word of God? Let us say that birth and death are two ends on the line called life as a particular individual. While no one has any control over their own birth, the fact that one also does not have control over their death has been proven by the deaths of extremely wealthy and powerful people who died of illnesses despite having had access to the best medical care possible. One might argue by saying that what about people who commit suicide? Well, even if we were to take into consideration suicides, one should not forget the fact that not everyone who attempts suicide succeeds. However, the great truth is that one does have the power to manage the way he or she travels on the line of life from birth to death. The management of one's journey on the line called life is influenced primarily by a person's thoughts, words and deeds. Actions are being continuously performed by not only man, but by all living beings. In Shloka 3.5, Krishna says, No one can remain inactive even for a single moment because of the qualities born of material nature or prakriti. In Shloka 3, 08, Krishna says, Niyatam kuru karmattam karma jayohya karmanaya sharira yatra pichatena prasintheda karmanaya Do the duties prescribed for you because performing action is better than inaction. Even the maintenance of the body cannot be done without doing work. With the performing of action being something that is inevitable, 
The most sensible thing one could do would be to purify their mind in order to perform righteous action and receive auspicious results. But before going into, the, into understanding the process of refining one's thoughts, let us briefly study how thoughts and actions are related to each other. Remember that every action as an equal and opposite reaction is not merely a law that came to be known in the year 1886, thanks to Isaac Newton, but it is a law that has been governing the universe and the whole of existence since time immemorial. Actions are born from your thoughts. Every action of yours is caused by a single thought of yours. Quite simply, apart from shaping your whole life, your thoughts define your character as others perceive it. Whether it is a simple thought or a complex one, every thought of yours that arises in your mind causes actions. The interesting part is that even the actions that you refrain from doing originated in your mind. Now, what is it that powers the actions of people? Well, there are two main natural inner drives of people which power all their actions. A. The drive to survive or to continue living. B. The drive to be happy. The innermost desire of every person and every living being is to continue living by trying to prevent their own death, for which people and other living beings consume food and protect themselves from all kinds of dangers that stem from natural conditions and forces and even from other living beings. The second natural drive in people is to be happy, while the second natural drive in animals is to Procreate. When a human being is convinced that his or her first need, which is to survive, has been secured, he or she pays attention to the second drive in them, which is the drive to be happy. A person who is starving for food would definitely not be troubled, proud, or influenced by the second drive, simply because he or she would at first tend to do everything possible to ensure the survival rather than trying to be happy or seek mental pleasure. Once a person's basic needs are met, they start aspiring for more, which could also be beyond their realistic requirements to support their existence. This is the stage in which one's pseudo-self or false ego, based on the illusion the person has about himself or herself, kicks in and begins to inflate their sense of entitlement. This sense of entitlement agitates their mind when things do not go the way they desire. The person's mind easily succumbs to the effects of emotions such as anger, avarice, lust, envy, hate and cruelty, all because they did not get what they believed they were entitled to get. The desire to learn further, acquire a clear understanding of the supreme truth and improve their quality of life leads intellectual people to work for what they want. Another large percentage of people go for what they call easier ways, which include trying to find solutions such as praying to God or becoming devotees of Godmen and Godwomen, astrologers and other fake spiritual people. And when they do not get what they want, they blame God, planets, destiny and others. It is in this slot that factors like religion or dogma, agents of God and so on enter and take control of a person's mind. The fundamental fault in one's understanding stems from the dualistic thought that there exists some being higher and separate from them, and that pleasing them, pleasing that being, can get them the two benefits. 
This is exactly their weakness that forms the perfect ground for religious beliefs, superstition, mental slavery, and people's vulnerability to religious people and organizations. The tendency of people to exist in groups, however small or big, or with people who believe in the same thing they believe in, arises from their need for a feeling of security, which forms a foundational cause for cults and other religious groups. It would have been great if the whole world of if the whole of mankind followed one ideology as it would have been as it would have resulted in peaceful coexistence for everyone in the world. But unfortunately, different people have different beliefs, which in turn have been leading to animosity among various groups of people. Anyone who sells you the idea of a person God, separate from the rest, is in fact belittling the all-pervading supreme divine principle and simply selling you fables which in truth need to be understood intellectually instead of being taken literally. The dualistic belief in any personal God leads to the my God and your God problem. Each believer of a certain God or deity claims his or her God or deity to be the highest and the true one, thereby fragmenting society, breaking families and leading entire nations to war. Due to the fact that the timeless Vedic Sanatana Dharma, with its immensely large library of ancient spiritual texts, is not an organized religion, many self-centered charlatans pick a line or two from here and there and you know from one of the scripts and create cults out of them. This is made even simpler by the ignorance and the gullibility of the masses. Such fake religious leaders get away with claiming to be quoting from well-known scriptures and also from those which people have never heard. So the question is, which are the scriptures that are treated the highest in the Vedic Sanatana Dharma? Well, most organized religions have one or more principal scriptures that people of those respective religions follow and to which they are required to adhere at all times. For example, Judaism has the Tanakh, which is the Hebrew name for the three sets of books, namely the Pentateuch or Torah, the Prophets or Nephi'im, and the writings, Ketuvim. The highest scripture of Christianity is the Bible, with 39 books in the Old Testament and 27 books in the New Testament. The religion of Islam has the Qur'an and the Hadith. People often ask what the holy books of the Vedic Sanatana Dharma are. Are they the Vedas, the Mahabharata, the Ramayana, or the Bhagavata Purana? Actually, no. Well, they are highly revered scriptures, but not all of them are considered to be canonical. It is a group of scriptures called Prasthanatri that is placed on the highest pedestal of the Vedic Sanatana Dharma. The Prasthanatri, or the three sets of highest scriptures, are 1. The Upanishads 2. The Srimad Bhagavad Gita 3. The Brahma Sutras The Prasthanatri has no such concept of a separate personal god as it is in many organized religions. Therefore, there does not exist the need to please any god or higher being or become a mental slave of anyone. The entire quest is to acquire jnana or knowledge, which is in, which in fact is the removing of ignorance in order to experience the true all-pervading self. Shaka 437 Just as a blazing fire burns wood used as fuel to ashes for Arjuna, knowledge burns all actions and reactions or karma due to material activities into ashes. Shloka 438 
नहीं ज्ञाने न सदृशम पवित्र में ही विद्यते तत्स्वयं योग समसिद्धः कालेन आत्मनि विन्दति there is certainly nothing more purifying than knowledge he who is perfect in yoga finds it in the self in due course of time technically speaking you as an individual have only one life however your life until this very moment is gone and therefore your life from now on could be called your new life and you could treat this very moment as your rebirth it means now you have another chance to make amends and perfect your living skills What if you had a teacher or guide that would show you the way into a future that is bright, enriching, and fulfilling, thereby saving you enormous amounts of time? Such a guide is the Srimad Bhagavad Gita, which is a life-changing book that can that can help you achieve clarity in the way you think, work, and live. The Srimad Bhagavad Gita is no belief system. It is a thorough analysis that helps a seeker understand the principles of the eternal, all-pervading, and formless divine principle, Paramartha Tattvam, or Brahman Sanfadas Krishna. Internalize the great natural principle of cause and effect, and learn to master the mind. Do you know what actually happens when you are disturbed, hurt, angry, or feel envious of someone? The truth is that when you when you're upset or disturbed it simply means that you do not agree with something or someone or some situation why do you have problems in your relationships it is simply because you feel that the other or others in a relationship with you do not speak or behave in the way you would expect them to do and that injures your sense of entitlement i'm going to give you right here the main step to be taken in facing and handling any problem or predicament and achieve a favorable situation or outcome such a state of mind can make your journey on the line of life less difficult if if not much more comfortable it is coming to terms with a problematic situation at least temporarily Remember this and you will never be a victim of any situation in life but you will surely be an intelligent unattached observer of all that unfolds in the journey of your life anyone who knows how to come to terms with challenging situations and manage them in a deft manner is always peaceful and never under stress it is not only that worry creates unwanted in a negative images in your mind that may become reality one day but by doing so you will also be wasting time that could have been spent developing your future in a more productive way you can either waste time in life or live every moment of it and turn it into a stepping stone for you to get closer to attaining the highest state of mind before the end of your sojourn on the planet in fact every moment when consciously lived and experienced can be as rich and fulfilling as one's entire lifetime. You might want to watch a video of mine titled One Moment in Time Harmonica Cover attributed to Whitney Houston. Knowledge and wisdom are the ones that help you in coming to terms with a given situation at least temporarily so that your emotions can be shut down for a while to enable your intelligence to take over. Everyone goes through situations that they do not like or those that could be causing them sadness but the wise know how to step outside themselves observe the situation they are in think calmly and come out with a good solution in the shrimad bhagavad gita krishna the jagat guru or 
teacher of the world, has cogently and lucidly explained in the most rational manner the most important truths of life and death. A person with such clarity can bravely and intelligently face and handle even the toughest of challenges. However, most people find getting to read the scripture to be the main problem. We are all aware that some major Krishna organizations distribute big fat copies of the Srimad Bhagavad Gita to people for free. But the big question is of what use it is. People hardly cross two pages, shut the book and put it away, respectfully of course, for a later time, probably until they enter their late 60s or until the day they meet someone like me who would talk them into reading it. The challenge. People are generally not motivated or are probably lazy to read the Shubha Bhagavad Gita. It could be for three main reasons. A. They are already convinced that the Shubha Bhagavad Gita is too deep and cannot be learned by oneself without the help of a good and enlightened teacher. B. The thought, the philosophy and spirituality are for old people and that they do not go together with the mature world of family and career. C. The scripture, which is highly allegorical, can sometimes go over the head of a reader who is not mentally prepared for such knowledge. The solution. Instead of beginning with high-level spiritual satsangs or distributing fat books among people who, not only, who are not only beginners in the subject but have minds drenched in duality, the best solution would be a short book that is tightly packed with the core information of the Srimad Bhagavad Gita in it. Capture the essence, Srimad Bhagavad Gita is such a book with well-defined sections and subheadings. It is easy to read and can be completed within a short duration of time. It is intended to assist seekers of all ages in internalizing the essence of the Srimad Bhagavad Gita philosophy. Remember that the Srimad Bhagavad Gita is known as the nectar of the Upanishads. People who have reached this preparatory stage are naturally inclined and driven to go further and deeper into the study of Vedanta. The most supreme knowledge is Atmanyana, or the knowledge of the self. It is the knowledge of the all-pervading Brahman, personified as Krishna, who is the self in you. Do not reduce him from his state of all-pervadingness to some small, finite being. Krishna says in Shloka 7.24 that it is spiritually weak and unintelligent people who consider him in a human form instead of his all-pervading nature. Studying the Srimad Bhagavad Gita and at least some principal Upanishads will help you be good at both the truths of life, living as well as dying. The sixth shloka of the Bhajagovindam song by Sri Adi Shankaracharya goes like this. Yavat Pavano Nivasati Dehe Tavat Prachati Kushalam Gehe Gatavati Vayu Deha Paye Bharya Vipyati Tasmin Gaye When one is alive, family members usually inquire kindly about the person's welfare. But when the person's soul departs his body, even his wife flees in fear from her husband's corpse. Enticing people with life after death is the main modus operandi of most organized religions. Once you fully accept the bitter truth that your life can end at any moment, you will have nothing to fear anymore. And anyone with such true and absolute fearlessness is bound to have an aura around them, so powerful that they will be physically, mentally and emotionally strong and be completely invincible. Are you not happy? with your past and with, your, with the way your current life is going, you can change it. Every morning you wake up is 
the first moment of your new journey. Create your own narrative. Decide what kind of person you want to be. Start afresh. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. Life is too beautiful and miraculous to be wasted on superstition and dualistic pseudo-spirituality. Live life, experience life, relish life and celebrate life. Do not forget to dump all kinds of superstition and irrational beliefs and take to studying the Srimad Bhagavad Gita and applying its teachings in your life. Let me sum it up. There are only two undeniable truths of life, living and dying. Everything else is irrelevant. The knowledge of Vedanta will make you good at both and the best and quickest way to imbibe Vedanta is by drinking the nectar of all the Upanishads, the Srimad Bhagavad Gita. May peace reign in your heart, mind and soul. Jai Shri Krishna.